Good morning, everyone. There you go. You can say it back. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, it's good to see you. It's good to be here again. Some of you uh, may remember, I've, I've talked to you last time I was here about a year ago, actually the same weekend. Some of you are new faces, and so it's good to see you as well. Uh, my name is Drew Gaylor. Uh, I'm the preacher of Care Church, as uh, Fran was talking about earlier. And uh, I'm going to be talking about thankfulness and gratitude, but I did not tell Fran or Preston that. So it's kind of cool. They both talked about gratitude today. Um, uh, I'm the preacher at Care Church. I've been there. Uh, this is my sixth year there. Uh, I grew up in Georgia uh, and then have moved around a couple different places in ministry. Uh, my wife is from Texas, and we have two kids. Uh, my wife, Jennifer, is a, a nurse. Right now she's working as a school nurse. She's worked in hospitals in the past, but now she's working in schools. Uh, and uh, we have two kids, like I said. My, our son is 15 years old, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. He's learning to drive, so that's... Uh, a challenge for me as a dad letting go of that control but um, and then our daughter is 11 about to be 12 uh, and so they are uh, all the good they do makes us look good as parents and all the bad they do is probably my fault so um, but we're uh, uh, doing well and it's good to be here and see all of you and, and uh, I know it's there's more kids here than last time I was here uh, and that's that's a good thing that's a blessing and I'm sure it's just coincidence that after the kids left you saying lay your burdens down I'm sure you don't mean anything by that, but uh, that, that was good. Um, so, like I said, we're going to be talking about uh, thankfulness and gratitude. Uh, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, it's, we know we, we should be more grateful, um, but we always put off cultivating the kind of habits that can turn us into more grateful people. Uh, I'm reading a book right now uh, by Diana Butler Bass on gratitude, and uh, it's uh, it's very helpful way to think about the importance of gratitude. Um, it's one of those those emotions uh, and habits that shows up throughout Scripture, and uh, you see it a lot in the Psalms. One of the things that really challenges me in the Psalms is it even shows up in Psalms of lament. Uh, when there's great suffering, there's great grief. A lot of these Psalms of lament will still end with giving thanks to God. And now that one of the things that that I know that I struggle with, a lot of people struggle with, is sometimes. I don't feel thankful, but we're still called to be thankful. So how do we do that? And we're going to spend some time thinking through that together today. Um, we're going to watch a short video uh, that just helps us think through uh, how we sometimes take things for granted. Oh, it's up to me to click it, right? Thank you. 
humorous look at uh, what would happen if we everything started disappearing that we were taking uh, that we were taking for granted uh, to stay in front of the I'm a wanderer so I'll try to stay here um, and so uh, if things started disappearing it, it would really get our attention and but obviously that doesn't happen so in lieu of things not disappearing from our life in order to make us more grateful what can we do to be more grateful um, even though it's a humorous look at it, I, I think the video ends with a way to start uh, Lord give me a more grateful heart um, there's uh, this story in the Gospels where Jesus encounters a man who's going to heal and asks him to have faith. And he says, you know, he's having trouble having faith. And he says, Lord, help my unbelief. Um, and, so, and so sometimes we just start with that prayer. Um, Lord, give me a more grateful heart. We're going to look at some quotes that come from uh, Diana Butler Bass's book. And this first one is from Karl Barth. It says, grace and gratitude belong together like heaven and earth. Grace evokes gratitude like the voice and echo. Gratitude follows grace like thunder, lightning. Uh, the two go together. God's grace is always around. And gratitude gives us eyes to see that and a way to respond to that grace. This next quote says, Everything is a gift. The degree to which we are awake to this truth is a measure of our gratefulness. And gratefulness is a measure of our aliveness. Everything around us is a gift. Every breath we take is a gift. And so the, the, the way we maintain awareness of this shows the way that we are embracing our aliveness, as this quote says. In normal life, one is not at all aware that we always receive infinitely more than we give and that gratitude is what enriches life. One easily overestimates the importance of one's own acts and deeds compared to what we become only through other people. Uh, and we all do this. We overestimate our own contributions and sometimes don't pay attention that we're only who we are because of what others have done for us. Now, this comes from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who uh, was a preacher and theologian in Germany as Hitler came to power. Uh, and he was among those few Christians who resisted Hitler, and he wrote these words while he was in prison. Uh, because of resisting Hitler. Eventually he would die in prison. And, uh, but even in prison, he was giving words that there's so much to be grateful for. And, and I love this idea that uh, every, everyone has given us more than we can give other people. And so uh, the more we are aware of how others have given to us, it's one of the ways that we can stay grateful and Diana Butler Bass probably says it best when she says, we are a society of ingrates. Um, there's this culture of dissatisfaction. Uh, we always want more, think we, one more thing will make us happy. We have this incessant craving for more and more um, instead of being grateful for what we do have. And so it really takes just kind of being where we are and being present in our life and looking around. And that's where gratitude starts. 
is seeing the good, seeing the blessings, seeing the grace that is present. We're going to spend some time in, in Hebrews 12. Uh, and Hebrews 12 gives us this comparison between two mountains. A mountain of fear, a mountain of joy. The mountain of fear is Mount Sinai uh, from the first covenant, the Old Testament. And the mountain of joy is, is Mount Zion, the kind of mountain that we're on our way toward, the heavenly Jerusalem. And, uh, and the author of Hebrews makes this comparison not so that we will somehow uh, disregard Judaism or be antagonistic toward Judaism. It's not written in that purpose at all. Uh, and we live in a time and a place in our country where uh, anti-Semitism is, is rising again. And we have to be among those voices who are silencing those that are being hateful toward Jewish people. We all know what happened a couple of weeks ago in Pittsburgh, and uh, I don't know if you've read this story about how this shooter was treated in the hospital after he committed this heinous act. But he killed these people and was rushed to the hospital because of injuries of his own, and the doctor, one of the doctors and one of the nurses that cared for him, they were Jewish. And so while they're caring for this patient, he's yelling words of hate toward them, and they are caring for him. The president of this hospital, Dr. Jeffrey Cohen, can't come down. He actually lives close to the synagogue, the Tree of Life synagogue, and uh, saw what was happening, went up to the hospital, came down, and, and also helped care for this patient. And afterward, after he was, his life was saved, uh, the nurse who had cared for him, who was Jewish, came out, and, and this nurse was talking to Dr. Jeffrey Cohen, and this nurse, he was just weeping. And Dr. Cohen said, you did good. And he went home, and he spent time with his family, and uh, the story shows of the, uh, of the humanity and the grace of these people that cared for the person who was spewing hate toward them. And so whenever we read anything that seems to be negative toward the first covenant or, or the Hebrew people, it's not meant to be in the New Testament. So the author of Hebrews is not trying to paint a picture of Judaism that is, that is, that is bad or hateful or anything like that. What the author of Hebrews is doing for us with this comparison is showing us that in Jesus there is completion. That the first covenant was always leading this direction, and there's so much good there, and that Christ completes that. And that's what the author of Hebrews is really after. And so as we hear these words, keep this in mind. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast. Or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them. Because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches this mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. These words come from Exodus 19 as the people of God gathered before Mount Sinai. And, and there was this environment of fear and in awe and in reverence that was there, but there's this mountain that we're heading toward that creates a different emotion within us. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. This mountain that we come to now is a mountain of joy. It's a mountain that evokes gratitude within us. 
And that last verse, uh, Hebrews 12, verse 24, talks about how the blood of Jesus speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The author of Hebrews is fascinated with, with firsts. So the author of Hebrews loves Melchizedek, who's the first person named as a priest in the Old Testament. He, he has a great deal of re respect and reverence for the first covenant, and so he sees and names those that are first in the Old Testament. And Abel is the first person in Scripture who's named as someone who offered an acceptable sacrifice to God. And so he's, uh, he, he names Abel a couple of times in this, this, this book of Hebrews. He shows up in the Heroes of Faith in chapter 11, and now he shows up here. And when Abel was killed by his brother Cain, God went to Cain and says, Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. There's this cry of vengeance that is heard, and, but the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. It's a word of forgiveness. I know that in our world, our, our time, and our day and place, we struggle with that as well. We hear cries for vengeance when we are hearing this cry of forgiveness. And that's why the blood of Jesus speaks such a better word for us today. What's the purpose of this comparison? Why are these mountains here? It, they're, they're meant to, get us, to force us to pay attention to what God is trying to say to us. And so you'll see these words on the screen as this passage continues. In verse 25, See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. So the purpose of remembering these two mountains, that we come to the mountain of joy, is so that we don't refuse the one who is speaking to us. And I often think of people in Scripture who are, who are disobedient or who refuse God's commands, and they don't always realize they're doing it in the moment. It's not always willful. And so I, I wonder how in my life am I refusing the one who speaks and don't really know that I'm doing it. And God speaks to us in so many ways. He speaks to us when we gather for worship. He, God speaks to us when we open up His Bible. God speaks to us when we pray. God speaks to us through other people. Right now, I've mentioned earlier that my son, Tyler, is learning to drive, and uh, it's a very challenging time for me. He's doing great. Uh, I remember that one of the first times we were on the road, uh, we were just going down this, this street near our house, and uh, I turned to him, and I'm like, Tyler, slow down. Why are you going so fast? And he said, Dad, I'm only going 20. And I looked, and sure enough, he was only going 20, but it felt like he was driving 100 miles per hour. But I couldn't admit that, so I said, still, just slow down a little bit. But there's been so many moments where I'm telling him things to do, and eventually he said, Dad, you're going to have to trust me. And I said, you're right. So as you're learning to drive, I'm learning to let you drive. Uh, and so I, I think that story reminds me that we're so interdependent upon each other that we can't go it alone. We're all learning to trust each other. And from that realization comes this immense amount of gratitude that we have for each other because we can't make it through life alone. And so through my son telling me this, I'm learning, I'm hearing God speak. And so there's all kinds of ways God speaks to us and, and reminds us of what God wants us to do with our life. But see to it that you're not refusing him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. 
that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. And here's the big point the author of Hebrews really wants to make here. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. This idea that we have all of this, we have this mountain of joy, we, we have this kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so let's worship God acceptably with reverence and awe and let us be thankful. When we're in those moments when it's hard to give thanks, we remember that we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. A kingdom that will last forever and we're only now getting glimpses of what that kingdom that's unshaken and lasts forever is like. But even when we're grieving, and when, even when we're hurting, even when we're depressed and don't feel like being grateful, this is where it starts. God, give me a more grateful heart because we are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. What's the, the point of all this? And why is, why is the author of Hebrews writing this entire book? And, and it's really best seen, this entire book is best seen as a sermon. It really is one long sermon. So whenever you get, you know, maybe tired of a, a long sermon that I'm preaching today or that Caleb is preaching, just be grateful that we don't preach like the author of Hebrews does. Because uh, that's a really long sermon. But the author of Hebrews is very concerned about the people that he's, he's sharing this, this letter, this sermon with. Because they're on the verge of giving up. So think about why is it important to be thankful? Why do we have these mountains of comparison? And it's really so that we don't quit. This group of Christians is facing persecution. Some of them have even lost their life. And, and they're on the verge of giving up. And so it's easy to think that we're alone or that we can't make it or it's not going to work. But it's in those moments we remember these words. We, we come to this mountain that is surrounded by love and joy and grace. And it's a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so we have this message not to quit. So think about the people that you know that demonstrate gratitude. Who are the most grateful people that you know? As you think about our world today, our world really isn't a grateful place. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of anger. We even see it in ourselves. But the way to overcome anxiety and anger begins with being grateful. If we want the world to be less anxious and less angry, it starts with us being less anxious and less angry. And the way we can be less anxious and less angry is by being more grateful. And one of the places we start is just think about the people that we know that we can look at and say, that person is a grateful person. I want to be more like them. I think about my grandmother who uh, demonstrated this her entire life. And she's someone who prayed for me every day of my life until I was 33 and she passed away. And even as she had knee replacements and hip replacements, she always prayed on her knees. And she, not just for me, but for everyone in her family. And, and so I think about this a lot, and she demonstrated an immense amount of gratitude. She had lived through a lot of hard times in her life, the depression. She had lost a child. She had lost so many people. But her theme in life was to demonstrate gratitude. 
Her theme verse was Philippians 4 and uh, rejoice in the Lord always. She always chose to rejoice. No matter what we gave her as a present, she always opened it up and said, this is the best whatever it was she'd ever received. And so we messed with her one Christmas and went outside and found a brick and wrapped it up and, and gave it to her. And sure enough, she opened it and she didn't miss a beat. This is the best brick I've ever been given. Thank you. She did not let us live that down, by the way. But, but this, that, that attitude of just demonstrating it day after day after day. If you know someone or see someone who's grateful, be like them. Because I know that the world will appreciate one more person who is less anxious and less angry. I have uh, one more video to watch, and uh, this one has no sound, so I'm going to talk as you watch this uh, painful experience. The title of this is very appropriate. This is painful to watch. Um, this is a person who is trying to back out in the hardest way possible. Uh, it's just going to get worse. Don't, don't worry. There's this car over here that I feel bad for that's trying to leave, but eventually decides to wait uh, until this other car figures out this um, parking lot. And so the title of this video is 27 Point Turn. <laughs> and so I haven't counted. I don't know for sure if there's 27 points, but there's a lot and you can see at this point if my family were here my kids would tell you i would be out of my car if i was in the car begging this driver please let me back out for you uh, please let me do this uh, i think about this in connection with uh, our our country uh, right now i think uh, especially among those people who aren't church who aren't christians they they, they have this perception of christianity that is that is um we're, we're trying to get our house in order. There's a lot of uh, misperceptions about who Christians are, and a lot of that is Christians' fault. Um, there's a lot of uh, hateful rhetoric spewed by Christian leaders in our country. And so I feel like there are people that are in this other car waiting for Christians to get their act in order and get going again. Um, and so I often think about people who aren't yet with Christ who are waiting in this other car while we are trying to get our, our house in order. And I just want to encourage you because you're a church that is going in the right direction. You are uh, in your neighborhood. You are demonstrating the gospel daily. You are making a difference. You are one of the lights in our country for the gospel. And you are helping my church turn around and get going in the right direction. So there are ways that we are supporting you and there are ways that you are helping us because there are people that are waiting for God's people to get going in the right direction. And so it kind of freezes there, which is another form of torture. Um, uh, we, can, we can go on to the, to the last slide there. The car does eventually leave the parking lot, and uh, I, I wish it wasn't a fixed camera. I wish the camera would have turned so that we could have the, I don't know, the joy of seeing this driver finally get going on the road. Um, but there's a lot of angst in our country right now about what it means to be a Christian. And again, I just want to encourage you and, and be someone who is... Uh, telling you that you are going the right direction. You are helping my church get turned around. Um, and sometimes turn around a church, it, it takes about 27 points. Um, but you're helping us get going the right direction so that we can be like you and demonstrating things like generosity and dialogue and family and trajectory. Because those are so important in our world today. To have a place where people can find connection to come and have community, to, to come and, 
and honor each other's past that you're taking through life to affirm each other. To be able to talk with each other even when there's disagreement because there's always going to be disagreement. If you played a sermon that I preached just a few weeks ago, I'd probably disagree with myself. I mean, there's always going to be disagreement, but to have a place where we can dialogue and be a community, even through it all, is such a powerful witness to the gospel. And so know that this place, you are a light among many lights in our country, but you are here and you are helping others experience the grace of God. And so be grateful for this place and these people. The author of Hebrews really ends his, his thoughts. He has one more chapter, but the culmination of everything that he's trying to get, or she, we don't know who it is, he or she, trying to get uh, this, this early group of Christians to do is to, to be thankful so they don't give up. So today, just be mindful of the blessings that are present in your life. One of my favorite stories is the story of a Chinese farmer. and uh, It's a story of a Chinese farmer who... One day, uh, one of his horses runs away, and his neighbors come to him and say, we heard the news about your horse running away. That's too bad. And the farmer says, maybe. The next day, the horse returns and brings seven other wild horses with it. So now the farmer has more horses, and the neighbors hear the news, and neighbors come and say, we heard the news, and that, that's great news. And the farmer says, maybe. The next day, the farmer's son is training one of these wild horses and falls off and breaks his leg, and the neighbors come to him and says, we heard the news about your son. It's so bad, and... The farmer says, maybe. The next day, the Chinese military comes to force all men of age to join and come fight this war. And, but they can't force this farmer's son to join the military because his leg is broken. So the neighbors come to him and say, we heard the news. That's great. And the farmer says, maybe. We don't know what tomorrow holds. What seems like it's bad news today may bring good tomorrow. What seems like it's good news today may bring something not so good tomorrow. All we have is today, and, and I love that story because it cultivates within us kind of a, uh, a decision that our gratefulness is not going to be dependent upon what's happening outside of us. All of that is circumstantial. Yes, there is good to celebrate, and there is not so good that we grieve, and, and that's real, and we're not denying that, but that doesn't determine this stance of gratefulness that we have before God. And so whatever you face in your future as a church, face with gratitude. Because of who you are, because of who this place is, because of God's grace, because you have this kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let's pray together. God, let's pray a special prayer of blessing upon the feast I know that I and Care Church are filled with gratitude for our partnership, and I just pray that you would continue to work through these people to bring others to come to know you. And through it all, it just cultivate a sense of gratefulness, of gratitude, of, of wonder, of awe, of reverence at what you're doing. And no matter what tomorrow brings, let us all have a stance of gratitude towards you. In Christ we pray, amen. Well, now, pause here, and uh, I don't know if there's a formal transition to the question and answer period, but uh, I will just let you ask questions or share, share thoughts, either one. Right. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, and so reverence is, 
it's, it's uh, one definition of it is uh, kind of not treating something in a common way. Uh, you know, we kind of just, there's so many things we treat in a common way, but when you have reverence for something or someone, like, oh, this is, this is something special, so it's not common. Uh, it's this, uh, this it, it's kind of an attitude, I think, of reverence and awe and, and, uh, and, and wonder. So wonderstruck is a, is a word I kind of use to kind of capture that. Um, and I think it's something where, where God has shown up in our life, and when we see that, we're filled with reverence and awe. So what does it look like? I, I, think, it, um, I, I think how we treat each other, um, when we have a, a, an appropriate amount of reverence toward God, we treat each other better. Um, we don't treat each other as if... The, uh, there, there's, we treat each other so poorly sometimes, just not we in this room, but we in our country. And, um, but when we have a, a, just a genuine respect for another person... Um, you know, I, I used to wait tables uh, when I was in college, and the worst crowd was the Sunday after church lunch crowd. It's just true. Uh, they would come in. They were the worst tippers. They were the most complainers. And they treated us poorly. Um, there's not reverence for God if that's happening. And so I, that's just one quick example. I think when we have reverence and awe for God, we treat each other better um, because out of that. But it's this kind of just filled with wonder and like oh man just anytime you spend time paying attention to creation itself just life itself that we're even here is just amazing and so that that's that kind of gets to that wonder and hopefully that helps a little bit Fran I was going to preach for two hours and just joking with her but um we'll go ahead and, and wrap up our time but just as a closing thought just um in whatever ways you can uh just this week uh cultivate gratitude and one of those ways is just Pay attention, maybe even have a, a, a little note that you start or a little list of, of things in your life that you can be grateful for, especially those things that are stable, uh, that maybe connect with this idea of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Um, what are some things in your life that can kind of begin to cultivate more gratitude, more thankfulness in your own life? Yeah. And that's a great way to start your day, too, with, with gratitude. Um, and that's, that's a great example um, and you're just seeing what's around us is a, is a source of gratitude. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great example. And because our, our minds tend to dwell on the negative more than the positive. And so we have to have habits to remind us of the good. Um, and you said that reminds me of the story of where Jesus healed 10 lepers and only one came back to say thank you. And when the one came back to say thank you, Jesus says, go, uh, your faith has made you well. So the other nine are still healed. But the one who said thank you is, is, has wellness, right? Kind of this mental health idea of complete wellness. And so uh, you're right. That it starts with gratitude. Um, so it just, there's all kinds of ways we can be grateful. I know that uh, one of the things that I struggle with is when I let another driver over, sometimes they don't give me the thank you wave. I don't know if a thank you wave is a big thing here. Um, and so uh, it's, it's important to me, though. And so when I don't get it, I'm like, okay, I need my thank you wave. And so that's that's a struggle I have that to let go of that. But um, I think of all the ways that maybe I don't give the thank you wave, all the ways that I don't tell people thank you for the things that they do. Um, so it starts with making a list, continues with actually thanking people. When they do whatever it is, small or big, just saying thank you is huge. Um, and so uh, I appreciate you uh, letting me come and be here today. And uh, let's all have a more grateful week this week. And I think there's one more song. Okay.